So, Bill, tell me you're in Wisconsin right now. I am. I am inside the city limits of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, on the southwest side. I hear some yeah. accent. Have you have you spent any time in Illinois as well? You got a little bit of Chicago vibe on you. <laughs> yes. I grew up in Bridgeport in Chicago, and I definitely have a very thick Chicago accent. Yeah, you did. Bridgeport, man, it takes <laughs> That's me back. Right. I'm on cloud nine right now with the White Sox being in the playoffs for the first time in 13 years. So <laughs> yeah. it's a good day for me. So are you uh, are you from Chicago? I mean, you've grown up in yes. Bridgeport, but how long were you there? Born on the south side, was delivered in Evergreen Park, Ooh, lived in Bridgeport. Yeah, lived in lived in Bridgeport until my mom got remarried when I was in fifth grade, and my parents still live on the far southwest side, about a mile west of Midway Airport. Okay, so all the way through to college, and then I went to Marquette University in Milwaukee, and I've stayed up here. But they haven't been able to get me to get rid of the accent or convert to being a Packer fan. So <laughs> this is not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just some things that are just poor taste. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Welcome to the EBFC Show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by Bosch Refine My Site is a cloud-based construction collaboration platform that applies lean principles to enable your entire team to plan, communicate, and execute in real time. It's the digital tool that works in tandem with your last planner system process and puts it all together in one simple collaborative ecosystem. This easy-to-use platform is available in English, German, Spanish, Portuguese, and French, and can be used on desktops, tablets, and mobile devices. According to Spencer Easton, Scheduling Manager at Oakland Construction, Refine My Site, in my opinion, is the best, leanest tool on the market for the last planet. Here's what our users have to say. We've looked at three other digital scheduling platforms and none compare to the straightforward approach Refine My Site takes. From milestone planning all the way down to daily tasks, this program gives every general contractor and their trade partners meaningful collaboration, accountability, and KPIs. Register today to try Refine My Site for free for 60 days. Today's episode is sponsored by Construction Accelerator. The design and construction industries come up with and build great things, but we also build and waste in how we do those things, in our interactions, in our contracts, in our logistics. So what does this do for our bottom line or our next project? The best firms maximize their value by removing that waste and only doing what's essential to the work, what makes them money. Construction Accelerator will train you to see the waste and give your teams the lean tools and experience to remove it immediately. All online, Construction Accelerator is made up of three to nine minute videos that can be watched again and again in the field, at the office, and at home, all broken down by topic. Need to learn pool planning? We have videos on the process, how to set up a room, and how to kick off a team. Need to set up a target value delivery project? We discuss all the aspects of TVD, especially cost. Or maybe you just need to brush up on 5S. Well, we have videos on that as well. You can download and print reference materials to use on site to immediately translate watching into doing. Subscribe today at trycanow.com. Let's build an industry, not just a project. 
Today's show is also sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry in transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Check the show notes for more information. Now, to the show. Welcome to the show, Bill Wagner. Bill, a fellow Southsider from Chicago, living in Sh, Wisconsin. Yes. <laughs> it's all good. Yes. We're not going to hold that against you, Bill, because sometimes you got to get out of the city. I myself had to flee for opportunities, so I know exactly how that could happen. Bill, I'm so glad to have you on the show. You've got an amazing team of people working with you. Penta, Penta Technologies? Penta Technologies Incorporated. I've met uh, Laura and Justin, and we've had some good chats about one of my favorite subjects of all time, Scrum. Ladies and gentlemen, we're probably not even seconds into the show, and Scrum's already been thrown down. I yes. love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do too. Yeah, we are, we, are, we are all about it at Penta. I love so, that. Yeah. The, uh, the entire company is Scrum certified as a professional Scrum master, including myself. I've gone through the class. I've passed the test. Every single person that works at Penta Technologies has done it as well. So we're, we're true believers. That's amazing. That's proof positive that everyone in a well-run organization understand scrum yes and i got that feel right away Absolutely. laura and justin both definitely had the knowledge and the experience and and the excitement that's the other thing too how many people listening yes are as excited as me and bill right now talking about scrum at work right think about that ladies and gentlemen you're missing out if you're not you should be right like and, and we'll make the argument over the course of this conversation for why you should be as excited Absolutely. as we are. So Bill, go ahead and tell all the beautiful people listening to the show, people, we love you and your support and Bill and I appreciate you. And uh, if Bill says anything that you want to find out more about, hit us up in the comments and let us know. I'll make sure we answer all those questions. Go ahead and Bill, introduce yourself. I, I am Bill Wagner. I am the president at Penta Technologies. I've been with Penta for just about four years. Um, Penta Technologies actually marks my return to the construction industry because way back in the day when I had more hair, I started swinging a hammer for my uncle's general contracting business on the south yeah. side of Chicago. So, uh, yeah, I, I love the industry. I love the industry almost as much as I love talking about Scrum. Oh, man, that is that's that's like that's a show first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that, yeah. The, well, I mean, you know, what's what's interesting to me, you know, when I was working in construction, when I was in high school and college, I had no idea what Scrum was, right? Didn't really exist 30 years ago, but we were doing Scrum on the job site every day. We were doing short interval scheduling. We were iterating. We were having transparent conversations about the work we were engaging in every day. And so now, 30 years later, I'm at Penta Technologies. We're all about Scrum, building software for the construction industry. Everything's sort of come full circle for me in a pretty tight time frame, right? 30 years, start to finish, and I'm right back where I started, which is great. <laughs> yeah, you started uh, working in the industry just as Jeff was, was making Scrum, putting the final touches on yes. it, making it beautiful and perfect. 
And so I think your whole organization is, has been trained by scrum.org, which is Ken Schwaber's company. Just beautiful. Ken co-creator of Scrum Inc. Powerful Ken Schwaber. Absolutely. I just saw him earlier this year, Bill, on the anniversary of Scrum. I think they just celebrated their 25 year anniversary. I might be wrong on that 25, but uh, I'll just gonna go with it. I I think you're pretty close because, you know, Scrum started because a bunch of software developers realized that just like on a construction project, nothing happens exactly as you planned it. So you can't plan the entire building out in a set of blueprints and then magically expect the thing to spring into being exactly as designed. It's the exact same thing in software, right? You build a piece of software, you're probably gonna do a whole bunch of things you've never done before. You're gonna have to learn. You're gonna have to react to things that don't go as intended over the course of the project. And Ken and those guys that wrote the Agile Manifesto got a lot right about how to think about that type of work, which I think is why Scrum has lasted for 25 plus years and why it works as a system, not just for software development, but for lots of other things in business. Absolutely. I've personally used it in education, research, construction, project management, uh, with with the trades. Mm -hmm. It just... It's like I told JJ, it works everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Bill, you're working at Penta. You're a software company dedicated to helping construction professionals. I told uh, you know your colleagues, Laura and Justin, caught my attention. I went mm-hmm. to your site, and we'll put a link to their software site in the show notes so everyone can go check them out. I told Laura, the thing that really jumped out at me is that you guys really, really do understand what project managers mm-hmm what their work is and what they're struggling through. So I, and I, and I told her, it's like, it really shows in your site, a lot of software companies out there, Bill, you go to their site and it's kind of generic. Yeah. Why, how, how did you guys get so special and targeted with construction project yeah. managers? So I, I love telling this story and it's going to take me a couple of minutes because we got to yeah, get it. it. We, we got to get into DeLorean together. We got to go all the way back to 1968. So Penta has been developing software for the construction industry since 1968, when our founder who ran an industrial coatings business, you know, painting bridges, cleaning out tanks for large industrial plants, he got hooked up with a computer scientist from the Milwaukee School of Engineering in Milwaukee and a consulting CPA to the construction industry. And they had the crazy vision to leverage mainframe computers to keep track of job costs to try to do better estimates. And wow. that that turned into a very successful business, obviously being focused on job costs using mainframe computers. The thing that was right next to keeping track of the job costs was managing payroll for construction companies. And in the mid eighties, we had thousands of customers all across the country we were renting mainframe time from Ross Perot's company, and we would run your paychecks, run your job cost ledger, and spit the data back out and deliver it to your doorstep, right? So from the very beginning, we came out of a construction company. We were laser focused on this idea that if you're doing a better, more granular job of vacuuming up what is actually happening inside your business every day, you can use that information to make smarter decisions in the future. And so 
we did that in the 80s. In the 90s, we pivoted to a Windows-based accounting system that is now used by around 100 very large, very complex specialty contractors. Typically, the more difficult the business, the better fit we are for them. So companies with a, a complex organizational structure, union, non-union payroll, a lot of traveling labor force that are working outside of their home union local. We do that really well. And in the last five years since I joined the company, we've started to expand our footprint in terms of solutions we provide the market. We're really focused right now on the labor productivity piece of construction with our product Struxy, which is kind of a, a labor project management tool for the job site. And we're a month or two away from bringing the very first cloud-based construction payroll calculator to market. And we're gonna offer that as a component of other people's software that serves the construction industry. And so you think about this ability to tie the cost into the forward-looking plan we're really excited about being able to arm project managers with that short interval view of what's happening on the job. And then because we have the ability to get to what a fully burdened hour of a given labor will cost in the future, we're really excited about turning the corner and being able to help project managers predictively plan what's going to happen in the future. And I think we're, we're this close to it as an industry and I'm excited about Penta playing a part in that transformation. That's a beautiful thing, Bill. I mean, my listeners know that we've got, right now it's 2021, we have over 1 million unanswered jobs yeah. in construction that we can't fill due to lack of skilled labor out there. We, we had uh, a lot of people we lost during the last economic downturn of 08 that didn't come back into the industry yeah. when we con contracted. So we definitely need ways to better understand the labor costs that we have, retain yeah. the workers that we have, and, and support our men and women that are running the projects because it's not easy. Forecasting is one of the things that a lot of the more sophisticated clients uh, often complain is not done well right. on uh, construction project sites because of how they receive capital and financing for the project. So I think this is a this is not, I'm not, I don't want to say silver bullet, but I just kind of said it. Yeah. <laughs> I think well, this be... You know, I mean, behind every silver bullet's a lot of hard work, right? And, and I think right. the idea that you can leverage data to make smarter decisions in the future, it's already happened in a lot of industries. And so, you know, I, I told you a little bit of my story. I started in construction as a kid. I, I left. It took me 30 years to come back. In the intervening time, I worked in healthcare, e-commerce. I worked for ABB, one of the largest electrical engineering companies on the planet for nine years. In all of those other industries, because there's not as much variance in the work being performed, they got a head start on construction in their ability to leverage data to make smarter decisions because the, the work is so much more repeatable in a factory, right? or in a distribution right. center. And I, I think the construction industry, because it is a service business, right? You don't hire a specialty trade contractor to hand you a finished building or a finished HVAC system. You hire them to perform the work. 
because of that, I, th I think we're all a little bit too in love with our existing business process, right? Because your existing business process is how you won business against your competitor. And so you really don't want to mess around with it. And what we're trying to do, what all these construction software companies are trying to do, what the capital markets are doing by dumping hundreds of millions of dollars into construction technology companies right now is get the tradespeople to realize that embracing software as a toolkit to make your business more efficient, make the labor you already have more efficient, it's a necessary next step in the evolution of this market. And I, I think we're, we're right there. We're at a real tipping point, which is something that I get really excited about. Uh, and Bill, I saw on your site, you have a lot of different solutions mm -hmm. available for even EPC, industrial yeah. construction, other construction, self-perform and concrete. Can you tell me a couple case study-like stories? Absolutely. To kind of, yeah, perfect. Yeah. So uh, one of our favorite customers is a company called Lithco out of Cincinnati. They're right now, I think they're either one or two in terms of revenue for concrete contractors in the United States. Unbelievably progressive company. The executive leadership team is very forward thinking, very bright. They've got really diverse experiences and skill sets from outside the industry. And they do a great job leveraging our accounting product to keep track of everything at a really granular level, right? So they're, they're squeezing every last point of margin out of their projects because they know what works. One of the things that we recently did with them was we armed their people with a tool that allows them to keep track of labor productivity, not on a monthly or weekly basis, but on a daily basis. And so now they're, you're not quite yet in front of all the bad things that can happen on a construction job that might cost you to lose time or lose money. But if less than 24 hours elapses before people know about it, as opposed to a week or 29 or 30 days, think about how much better equipped you are to respond to those things. And, and so working with them, we have a really strong case study with those guys where keeping track of the labor every day, you know, by employee, by cost code, and what kind of production happened inside those cost codes for those units of labor that day, they're poised to get in front of this. And, and when you talk to their VP of uh, IT, and he's also their special projects guy, he talks about, this analogy is so good. He talks about, you know, six years ago, what we would do, we would go to the driving range, we would buy the large bucket of balls, We'd hit all the balls out there. And after we hit the entire bucket, we pick our head up and look and see where they all landed. And the only opportunity you get to tweak your swing is on the next bucket of balls, the next project. And he said, what we're doing now, because we're taking this much thinner slice using the software, we're hitting one ball at a time every day. And every day we get an opportunity to tweak our, string, our swing. And it, the thing that we're going to work on together Next is how do we turn this into the Golden T video game where you can point the arrow where you want to hit the ball and the computer software tells you what club to hit, what employees to put on that task, on that cost code tomorrow. And then it's real easy. You just got to follow the swing path and you'll hit the ball exactly where you predicted you could hit it. 
And, and that's the type of thing that required them to open up the business process that I talked about earlier. They needed to embrace some change inside their business, but the payback on that shift was almost immediate for those guys. And so that's one of my favorite case studies from the last couple of years. Bill, what I really like about that story, uh, number one, the analogy is spot on. I mean, that yeah. is like- Yeah, he's, he's a really smart guy. I, I couldn't yeah. pay him enough for, for that story, right? But that's the average and the typical for even yeah. small construction companies all the way up to the big players at the mm -hmm. multi-billion dollar level. A lot of uh, estimating is done and really big swings to, yeah. to stay in the analogy with very large buckets of balls and adjustments often are not made until projects are at handoff points or complete. And then when a job's in flight, just getting that feedback from 30 days to weekly to a daily, I mean, it sounds like a dream yeah. to do that type. I only know of like two construction companies, two general contractors that self-perform and do costing and update reporting on a daily basis. It's just right. very rare. It's so rare. And just to think that uh, you can reduce that variation and know like what people have the skills to come in and course correct on that on that location of where the yeah. balls are getting hit or the work is how the work's being put in place. I mean, that's something that is like invisible. Well, you talked about Justin, who's a member of our team earlier. Justin was a project manager for Bechtel. And one of the interesting stories he tells is he built a spreadsheet that would allow him to realize when he was getting behind on a phase of a project. And when he was, the thing he would start looking for is how many man hours is it going to take to get that work done on time? And how large is the space that I'm going to ask 14 laborers to inhabit for the next week to get that work done? And he knew that at some point it becomes untenable, right? I can't put 10 right. electricians in that 10 foot by 10 foot room. And so now I got to figure something else out. And the only way that you get to that level of control over your project is to take as thin a slice as possible and to be looking at it on a regular basis. It's intuitive. And it, and it sounds like you, you nailed it with uh, having to change their current processes. That's yeah. the real tough, that's the tougher challenge. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I, I still see way too much of is project managers, project leads, foremen who log what happened weekly. And the question that I ask 100 times out of 100 when I run into people who tell me that that's the way things are being done, do you really remember what happened on Monday morning? Because if you don't, if you don't have perfect photographic recall of all of the things that unfolded over that probably 60-hour work week for yourself and maybe up to 30 people, it's a creative writing exercise and you're fooling yourself with bad data and you know, we, we just had a thing recently happen that I, I think a lot of people should go look up. Autodesk and FMI just released a research paper on the cost of bad data in construction. Their estimate is that the construction industry lost almost $2 trillion in 2020 just because of bad data. Oh, that's like making my stomach hurt just thinking about that. <laughs> that's, 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 that's two Facebooks. Right? Like yeah. that's two trillion. Like that's a hard number to conceptualize as a human being, but I'll make it easy for everybody. 
The construction industry lost enough money to buy Facebook twice in 2020 just because we're doing a bad job of capturing, organizing, and leveraging the data we generate. And this is all happening while the amount of data being generated by the construction industry is exploding. I think that the stat they said is over 75, there's a, I want to get this right. I think it's 30% of the people they surveyed said that they have 75% more data today than they did three years ago. You've got the mm -hmm. massive increase in internet of things. You've got, everybody's Absolutely. got uh, a recording camera recording device in their pocket today, which we didn't have before. Yes. Uh, 5G is a reality now. And so yeah. you've got even faster data transmission. We're creating, I don't even remember, but I've heard statistics on, we create more information every day than recorded history. Within that massive opportunity, because if, if you know how to sift through the data for insight, there's gold there. You just have to know how to break out the pickaxe and mine it. And, and I think, you know, I keep talking about how we're at a real inflection point in this industry. That's one of the things that makes me most excited to work in this market is I feel like these types of inflection points are rare in a given human being's life. I was lucky enough to live through the dot-com boom back in the mid to late 90s when I was just out of college. And now I get to live through something very similar in the construction industry where I feel like we're the technology is finally catching up to the users. And I think this stuff is starting to get easier and it's starting to get democratized. And it's gonna be really interesting to see who the winners and losers are as it relates to being able to wield this new toolkit that's available to everybody. Now you're totally right. And people coming into the industry now, like even the the tradespeople are are coming in at a much higher level of technology usage than ever before. Yeah. I can remember even like six years ago, I was on a, a very poor cell phone that I don't even want to mention the carrier, what type of phone it was. And I remember the yeah. the person that was coming to uh, do some kind of plumbing stuff had a cell phone that was like a thousand times better than my, my company right. issued phone. <laughs> it was yeah. just like, it's just so <laughs> easy for people to get like the latest and greatest tech now. And you can do a lot like they were. They organized their entire workforce uh, on their whole plumbing team was all like using text messaging for where to go every day. And I thought, man, when's that going to come to us? Yeah, isn't that amazing? I was at the AGCIT conference a month ago, and there was a panel discussion about network infrastructure and construction companies. And the bring your own device concept got brought up. And all the guys on this panel who are all technologists at large GCs and specialty contractors, well, I would, I would never do a bring your own device policy. I don't, I don't think we could manage the risk. And then I sat in that exact same room a day later when we ran, show of hands, how many people are working in an IT department that employs less than five people? And 90% of the hands in the room shoot up and I'm sitting there as the president of a technology company that does accounting software that embraced bring your own device two years ago. And now like my infrastructure people inside my business don't worry about managing individual hardware devices. They worry about network security. And the great thing about this is for less money than if I was supplying everybody with their laptops and their tablets and their phones, 
everybody in our business has the latest and greatest technology at their disposal 24 seven. And, and it's like stuff like that. I, I think it's, it's really easy to gloss over it, but what a powerful concept and what construction companies are doing that right now. Right. Not, not oh, any that I know of. Right. Yeah. And so I, I, I think the wave is, is hitting the shore right now with all this stuff in our market. And I'm excited to see what unfolds because you know, you get out from under having to give everybody in your company a three-year-old cell phone and you let them bring their own stuff and you provide good guidance for how they should keep that stuff secure. The 22-year-olds the that are coming out of college, they know this stuff already. It's not hard to teach them. I mean, the, the number of construction companies I talk to when, when we talk about software and they say, oh, you know, the vast majority of our guys out in the field, they don't have smartphones. They don't have email addresses. 90% of the people above the age of 13 in the United States have a smartphone right now. So I'm willing to bet that the vast majority of your field labor, they have email addresses, they have Facebook accounts, they have smartphones. Right. You're just, you're sticking your head in the sand that this is what's happening around you. And I'll tell you what, a 22 year old who grew up with social media who had an iPad in their hands when they were 10 years old, they're not gonna wanna fill out a paper time card every day, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of construction companies are asking them to do just that. And so, you know, to your point about how, how do we get the, the young folks into this industry? How do we get them excited? I think we have to meet them where they are and they're a lot more advanced than I think we realize. Hey, real quick. Construction is one of the only industries that's become less productive over the past six decades. 60% of construction job cost is labor. 80% of construction projects are over budget. 60% aren't on time. Struxy replaces paper timesheets and manual data entry with easy to use software. How much are inefficient job sites costing you? One of our customers estimates they'll save millions per year with Struxy. Read the case study at our website, Struxy.com. That's S-T-R-U-X-I.com. Software for hard work. You can also visit us at World of Concrete in Las Vegas come January. Oh, 100%. And, and having grown up and almost injured my hand on taking handwritten notes and converting it to software yeah. is so painful. And there's so many errors. Like it's yes. when you're transcribing something secondhand, your chances for mistakes are higher. And if you're, if you're using software and you can simplify the input to drop down menus or checkboxes, mm -hmm. you're greatly reducing the errors and your data is going to be so much better. I think Bill, I think from memory, 2018, 2019 numbers, the United States construction industry was about $3 trillion a year, 11 million workers. So if I use your 2020 yeah. number, that means two-thirds of everything we did was wasted, which, again, makes my stomach hurt just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, you see these, these research papers, right? McKinsey did their efficiency of the construction industry report back in 2016. They're intentionally provocative, but there's definitely a vein of truth running through that stuff, right? And right. so you could argue over the number, there's fuzzy ways to get at the number, but 
the problem exists, and I, I don't think anybody would argue that we don't have those problems as an industry. And and what's great about it is those problems, if you want to be an optimist, which I am about it, it it's a huge opportunity. It's unprecedented. I mean, if we could all put $2 trillion back into the industry, right? there's, there's your infrastructure yeah. funding that we're all waiting with bated breath to see come from Washington, D.C., right? Right. It would it would transform everything. And also, we yes. want to make it the industry to attract people worldwide, Bill, about one out of six people work in construction. And yeah. I was just spending time at a conference this week, and I bumped into three different people that I spent time talking. It was not a construction conference, mm -hmm. but three different people out of a dozen people that I met left the construction industry five or ten years ago and didn't and don't want to come back. And uh, when they asked me what I do, it's like, what I'm doing, I'm working to stop people like you, good people, from yes. leaving our industry and Absolutely. keeping you inside. With the, with the transformation capabilities that you have with your technology, and technology is inevitable. Like we people, yes. if you're out there thinking that it's not there, go walk your job site. And we can point out technology all over the place. It's everywhere now. Yeah. It, it It's there because it, it it's got to make it so that we can get the work done easier with less effort. Yes. There's only so many hours in the day. There's no reason to to work so incredibly hard for so little yield. Let's yeah. use the technology and software to help us. So I think that's one of the cool things about your company's approach. And, and I think I heard something in addition to bringing your own devices that you have a very unique uh, uh, office location working from home policy. Yeah. share what that is? So yeah, so March 13th of 2020, I was about to get on an airplane and go visit a bunch of customers in the middle of nobody really knowing what was going on with COVID. And we had some conversations. I talked to the customers. I said, hey, look, I don't know what's going on. I'm a healthy, early, middle-aged guy. I'm happy to take the risk of getting on an airplane, but I don't know what I might be bringing into your conference room. And it was shocking to me that our customers who really wanted to have face-to-face -face conversations with me said, no, why don't you stay in Milwaukee? We could have these meetings over Microsoft Teams. And so on March 13th, we made the decision to close our office. And we, have, we had an evergreen lease at the time for our company on the Southwest side of Milwaukee. And we decided to start meaningfully investigating what is it going to take for us to get rid of our physical location as a business? And, you know, a lot of work in a lot of surprising areas, right? Where's the mail going to go? <laughs> right? What are we going to do with all the physical records that we're bound by law to keep in storage? Um, what about our server room, right? We're a right. software company. We had a ton of equipment in our server room. And what we did, we leveraged some of the principles of Agile, right? We're a scrum business. We said, let's take this thing in small slices, right? We'll start figuring out what we're gonna do with the post office box. We'll get a tiger team together and they'll work in two week increments to start moving the server room up to the cloud. And in March of this year, we went office free as a business and it's currently, you know, permanent until we decide otherwise we are a fully virtual business we have a co-working office that we rent in milwaukee that is much more affordable 
than a three quarter of a million dollar annual lease on a giant office space for a hundred people. And that the couple of things that happened as we made the transition, we started to pick up a lot of um, unplanned efficiencies in the work, right? Shifting all of the stuff in the server room to the cloud increased our security, right? Minimized yeah. our exposure to threat vectors with cybersecurity created more availability for the systems that were running in the server closet. We got more efficient as a business because there were less distractions in the work. Software developers, their job is hard. It requires focus. Context switching has a huge cost. So if I interrupt the software developer for a two minute conversation, it takes that software developer on average 15 minutes to get back to where they were before I interrupted them. So we started cutting down on the unintended interruptions in the work. So the work got more efficient. And, and the biggest one for us, we are now recruiting talent nationally. And we have a built-in advantage when we have to compete for a given person because people like the flexibility inherent in working from home. Everybody gets an annual work from home stipend. Another unintended advantage of that we actually get tax benefits from that as a business. So we, we get more of a tax break not having an office than when we did functionally on our books every year. And, you know, I'm, I'm an extrovert. I like being around people, right? That's why I'm president of the company. But all of those advantages have far outweighed the you know satisfaction of my own ego when I get to go into the office and interrupt people whenever I want. So it's, it's been a really, it's been a really great thing for us as a business. And I, I, you know, it's not for everybody. It's not for every business, but I think it, it shows that the, the agile mindset and thinking about iterating and adapting, we really embrace that. And it, it's been a huge benefit to our business over the past year and a half. When a lot of businesses that we compete against, I still see them struggling mightily with how they deal with the new sort of working environment that's been forced on all of us because of COVID. That's very true. How long has your Scrum transformation been, or started, how long ago did it start? We, we started two and a half years ago. And you know, we first we had to pick a flavor of Scrum, we, you know, or a flavor of Agile. We went with scrum.org because we felt it was a, a very lightweight way of getting into it. And the decision we made at the time was everybody in this business is going to go through the training. Everybody in the business is going to take the test because we thought it was very important that everybody have the shared language and that we raise the floor for everybody. So everybody's got a universal understanding of what we're talking about. And Scrum really gave us a toolkit to reshape the talent inside the business. So we've, churn through a lot of people in the last two years and the scrum framework of you know, radical candor, transparency, inspection, adaptation has allowed us to iterate on a much faster time series than if we hadn't have done it. And it timed out perfectly because we had about a year of experience with this new way of thinking about the business when COVID hit. 
And I think that that year really prepared us to be able to do a lot of unconventional things as we've navigated through these unprecedented business conditions. I mean, it sounds like everything that we know Scrum to be, ladies and gentlemen. So if you're listening to Bill yeah. Wagner, you got to hit pause, rewind, yeah. and listen to him one more time. All of that happened in, in a span of less than two years. It can yes. be very quick, very yeah. quick. I mean, you just described things just with your migration to the cloud and the change mm -hmm. in your in your location policy for your employees and your ability to attract more talent. I mean, those are three massively different moving parts and pieces of a business that yeah. I don't think most businesses could get take care of in less than three years. Right. Well, and we've done all this while we've had a massive pivot in our underlying business strategy, too. So you know, we we're very aggressive as it relates to being able to take on change at Penta. And, and I do like I Scrum has been one of the foundational gangplanks of our ability to take on all of that in such a short period of time. It paid for itself almost immediately. That is perfect to hear. I yeah. love hearing that, Bill. Like everyone knows how much I love Scrum. I always get super excited. I got to like take a breath and come back to zero here for a second because it's not all about yeah. how much I love Scrum, but it's a lot. It's a lot about that. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you too, Bill. You know, as you're you're making this transformation, have you found it that your company started growing as a result of these changes or yes. because of the, the shift? Okay, so it's just a straight yes. Yeah, I mean, we're a lot more profitable now than we were two and a half years ago as an enterprise. And the arrow is pointing up because we're bringing two new products to market that I think have explosive potential, not just for our ability to transform the industry, but also our ability to grow as an enterprise. And so, you know, it's, it's one of these things where I've been around long enough that I know how hard it is to thread 18 successive needles with a business. And I, I, you know, two years ago when we started a lot of this stuff, I was really nervous. I figured like, we're going to miss a few of these needles and it's, it's going to set us back. And, you know, a couple of them might end up having really serious negative consequences and because we've done it one needle at a time, because we've done it the way Scrum teaches us to do it, I think that that has been a huge part of our ability to thread all of those needles in a row with the office, remaking the face of the company as it relates to the talent we employ, moving things to the cloud, bring your own device, work from home stipend, shifting the business into investing in the two new products, changing our go-to-market approach. I mean, all of those things, any one of them taken in isolation, I think would be something that we would have been very proud of accomplishing inside a two-year timeline. And we've done all of that in parallel with a relatively small company. And we've done it without having to take on any outside investment too. That's incredible. It's like Jeff says in the Red Book, more than twice the work and half the time. And like Absolutely. Scott Maxwell says... Almost always, if you're not doing it wrong, you should be getting three times the work in a third of the time. And I've Absolutely. seen that. That is incredible, Bill. I think that's inspirational for everybody. It shows you, everyone listening, how powerful the framework is. And the framework is like super simple. We're talking about five meetings, yes. understanding three different roles, and then just re redoing it all the time. That's it. Yes. Simple. Just, yeah. Like get started, type agile manifesto into your Google machine and start there. 
And it, after you read through the Agile Manifesto and the underlying tenets of Agile, tell me that that wasn't a powerful thing for you to get into your cranium, right? And then right. once you do that, then you could launch into actually trying to pilot it and implement it in part of your business. It's it's real easy to get started because of the inherent simplicity. It is. And then just as you're reading that manifesto, just substitute the word software for working product. Yeah. And yes. in construction, everything we do is work in place. And a lot of the solutions yeah. that uh, your company has, Bill, what I really love about it is the challenge. And like, and this was the same challenge at Toyota and at mm -hmm. and many different automobile manufacturers. But I think Taiichi Ono said it best when he said, the only thing I'm doing is shortening the duration from the time that the customer makes an order until we get paid. And what yep. you're doing with your software solution for so many project managers is you're helping ease the burden of all that work that has to be done yeah. in order for people to get paid for the work that they do, that the value that they create for the clients that they're building for. So anything that you can do, I mean, I use software too. I have lots of algorithms in mm -hmm. play for the types, type of work that I do that definitely makes my job easier. Absolutely. And, and you know, it, when you adopt that agile mindset, you develop this almost supernatural nose for where the waste is located. And, and we've talked about how much waste there is in the construction industry. And I think, you know, that, that laser focus on transforming the means of production into business value by shortening cycle times, right? That's right. elimination of waste. And, and when you get good at it, you, you almost become allergic to waste organizationally which is a really powerful concept. It's it's one of the main things that I think put Toyota on top in the 80s and 90s is because they were able to push that sort of distaste for organizational waste all the way out to the edges of their entire enterprise. And think about the power of that in a 150 person construction company. Yep. Think that, about how, how life would be better if, if you could do that. And we, we have the benefit, Bill, you and I being alive now, because it took them over 25 years to push it out through their organization. And now it's worldwide. They're sitting on, you know, a war chest of, I think, a couple trillion dollars. And they make more money. I've seen this number multiple times than the next three competitors combined in profit every year. Yeah. And I always tell Jeff, like, Jeff, it's not all about market evaluation. Tesla's mm -hmm. stock value will not always be higher than Toyota. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the market cap thing, the example I always throw out to people is like, look at Walmart versus Amazon. And for years, Walmart did way more revenue and way more bottom line profit than Amazon. But because everybody looked at Amazon as a tech enabled disruptor, the market valued them at 10 to 100 X of what they valued a dollar of revenue at Walmart. And to your point, like that's not going to hold up long term. It's it's interesting, though. One of the things I love to talk to construction companies about to kind of tie all this stuff together for them is if you try to sell a specialty trade contractor to a new owner, how are they going to value your company? They're going to give you some multiple of your annual profit. Imagine if they looked at you like you were a tech powered disruptor of the construction industry. Could you maybe get a multiple of your top line revenue? Right? That's uh, a big how much money yeah, how much money did SoftBank throw at Katera when well Katera was a vertically integrated construction company? 
right? And SoftBank gave them $850 million because they viewed them as a disruptor that was going to leverage technology and leverage some of the concepts we're talking about of business agility to shake up the construction industry. Wouldn't you like to have a little bit of that shine on your own business if you're running a construction company? I think that there's a, a real strong financial case to be made for that. If you look outside the industry and you look at what's going on with the way people are evaluating companies right now that have the technology as a, a through line of how they think about the business. It definitely gives them some uh, golden wings and elevates what they can get. I Absolutely. Think, I, I think, Bill, people are recognizing that uh, technology has been disruptive and transformative. It's not just disruptive. It's transformative. And it allows people to be more adaptive. I mean, we're all, I mean, just the way you and I are connecting right now, I think we're separated by 3,000 miles and right. an, a, an inconvenient two-hour time zone difference. Yeah. But uh, we're still able to connect two kids from the south side. Man, what are the chances? Ab right, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. I mean, it is definitely transforming. And people get to hear this conversation worldwide in over 60 different countries yeah. and they can see themselves in the story because like you said right. we know if you've spent any amount of time in this business mm -hmm. you know that sometimes construction can be just fraught with waste and non-value creating things in terms of the customer's perspective because some of the right. some of those things and some of those processes like you said earlier are baked in and how we do things because it used to when you work but yes. the, what used to work doesn't work anymore. And even Katera is no longer a business anymore. Right. They got disrupted. What they were doing wasn't sustainable for a lot of right. complex reasons. Yeah. And so, but the good news is all those employees that work there are now released yes. back into the marketplace. And now companies that are picking up that talent can stand on their shoulders and push ahead and keep the good things and let go of the things that didn't work. And that, that's how transformation happens, right? It's not flipping a light switch. It's one day at a time. Absolutely. One day at a time, and it takes time. I want to go back to to your company, Bill, and pull sure. from you. What What's another story of, like, if you could share a more medium-sized company doing work, like, from a project manager's perspective, how does your software help them? We work with a, a mid-sized electrical contractor here in town that, that works on a lot of really progressive projects, right? Like, they... Uh, they did all the electrical install at the new arena where the Milwaukee Bucks just won their championship. And um, their VP of operations, really smart, really progressive guy, he brought in lean consultants to work with his project leads to root out the waste in the work that these electricians were doing every day. And for those of you that don't have a lot of familiarity with the electrical trade, you know, electricians are kind of like your one man show. I can do it all right. Little CEO of his own pile of work that day, right? One day I might be pulling wire. I might be knocking together conduit. Another day I might be doing low voltage control work. And so there was a lot of fragmentation in the way their business would tackle the work every day. And it started with a three ring binder with these consultants. So at the end of every day, hey, every electrician, 
take five minutes out before you leave and write in the binder what you got done that day. And then somebody's going to take that binder and digitize it. And now we're going to have a data set. And now we can go through and look at it. And so we're a little bit closer to what's actually happening other than uh, the way they used to do it, I'm guessing, which is have a project manager show up once every couple of weeks and walk the job site and be like, okay, these couple areas of the project, I'm good. Oh my gosh, what is happening over here? We're behind. This is a mess. There's a ton of rework that's going to happen. We're missing pieces and parts, right? Now that they're taking that thinner slice and they didn't use any technology originally to get started. But then once everybody got comfortable with thinking this way, once all those electricians realized, okay, like these guys are wanting to make sure that we're tackling the work in the most efficient way possible every day, hour by hour, when we came in and layered our technology on top of that to digitize that three ring binder, suck all that information into their accounting system and to be able to do more forward looking reporting on that stuff, it was a really powerful transformation in the business we just recently deployed our latest piece of job site software to their job sites. And it's not the type of thing that's having to be driven top down into the job site. These guys on the job site are hungry for the next digital tool that's going to make doing that thing a little bit easier. And you put it in their hands and it's amazing to see how fast they figure it out and how fast they take to it. And it's because these guys were really smart about ramping into it and not trying to eat the entire elephant in one bite. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. That uh, that whole process of, I mean, that's one of those necessary wastes that we have to do to track. Because unfortunately, yeah. we can't just say, there's my work, pay me. There has to be right. some way to get the data in, verify, and then get get paid. So I, yeah. I love that you're, you're streamlining that and making it simple and supporting. And I love bonus I love hearing electrical contractor back in yeah. my old hood. I yeah. consider Wisconsin part of my hood because we used to well, drive and, up there and, for some you know, the, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> the, the, other, the other thing with these guys, I mean, like, you, your electrical tradesmen and women, they're, they're really smart. Like, electrical is not the, the place where you go if you want to shut your brain off for eight, nine hours a day, Right. And getting each individual empowered to take ownership of being productive, that is a really powerful concept. And, and then once you do that, should anybody be surprised that all those guys and ladies are looking for the next tool that's going to make them more efficient? It's, yeah, it's I, a surprise. Yeah, I mean, I love to tell the story. Like, I'm old enough when we got rid of cords for drills on job sites. Now, as a 16-year-old, wow. I, I knew that cordless <laughs> drills existed, and I go to my uncle who ran the general contracting business. I'm like, hey, Casey, we should probably pick up some of these cordless drills. It's a no-brainer. He cut that check immediately. And from that day forward, no more extension cords getting tripped over on the job site. And, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s, cordless drills were not very good, right? No, they weren't. You would tear through batteries every hour and a half. But even still, even with those technological challenges, we were so much more efficient with a couple thousand dollars worth of skilled 12-volt drill drivers in our tool belts than we were using the old, you know, corded hole shooters that we used to lug around. And then think about what it's like to be up on a three-story ladder having to reach over to put a, a drywall screw into something 
the the drill now weighs one third of what it used to, and you're not having to get a hundred fifty foot extension cord like that. That was technology technology disrupting the job site, and and it happened instantly. And so right. the challenge I put to people is like, why can't you do that with a piece of software? It's the exact same thing. And if we can. have lots of yeah, we have lots of examples. I just gave you one of companies that are doing it very successfully. And guess what? Those guys are beating you if you're not doing it. They're making more money and they're winning more business right now as a result of making those types of decisions. Right. There are only so many jobs that you can chase, but if you can do better with the resources you have and use the creativity of your workforce, you can do more jobs Absolutely. with less effort. That's yes. agile, baby. Yes, Bill, 100%. It has been my pleasure having you come on. And I think we we met the threshold for talking about Scrum. I am delighted. You just <laughs> you made my day. I'm going to just float around for the rest of the day, thinking about all the cool things you guys got going on with Agile in your organizations and the companies that you're serving. Thank you so much for being on. You get the last word, Bill. Yeah, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk about this stuff. I hope everybody that's listening found it valuable. I'm easy to find on the internet. So if you want to engage in a conversation after the fact, everybody should know where to find me. Just stick it in Google or LinkedIn and I'll be there. I'll make it even easier than that, Bill. We'll have a direct oh, link to perfect. you in the Excellent. show notes, people. As promised, Love it. always <clears throat> delivering. Easier, better, and faster with Bill Wagner. Very special thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build.